Hello, you're listening to Making It Count, a podcast that provides practical financial advice for every stage of life with a twist. We're your hosts, Christina and Will. We aren't financial experts. We're just like you, aka trying not to stumble our way to financial success. That's where our money smart friends come into the equation. You see what I did there, Will? Yes. I guess we need to add a bad pun disclaimer to our show description. Well, as long as we add a reality TV spoiler disclaimer as well. I'm there for that. You'll want to stay tuned for fun guest interviews, discussions around money taboos, and apparently corny jokes and Real Housewives references. Mm -hmm. That is so perfectly us. So together, let's make make it count. And welcome back to Making It Count. We have a terrific topic for you guys today. Yeah. Hey, everybody. We really do have a great topic. And it's one I'm sure our listeners are going to relate to because it's a continuation of our Money Plus Love series from last year with a focus on friends and finance. So, Christina, I just read an article in Business Insider that found that only about 41% of Americans are comfortable talking to their friends about money. I mean, given how much we've learned about money taboos over the past couple of episodes and even last season, that doesn't surprise me at all. And I'm really glad we're talking about it. And today we have two super knowledgeable guests because you know we have the smartest money smart friends that we brought in to navigate your finances with friends. But first, Will, do you talk to your friends about money? Yes and no. Like, I think that we talk in like generalities, but like, I don't think I've ever had anybody just come out and like tell me like, what they make or what their budget is or anything like that. I think we've talked about like the difficulties of like saving to buy a house or how expensive it is to pay for a wedding or things like that. But it's more general stuff. All right. I have had people like, I think because of maybe the podcast, people ask me like, what do you think I should do with this? And then I'm like, I, I am not an advisor. (laughs) You're not the smart friend. No. (laughs) Wow. Well, depends, but sure. I have the same thing. Like, I couldn't tell you how much any of my friends make. We don't talk about salaries. I can tell you which friends are more frugal than others. Are you the more frugal friend? No, I have more frugal friends than me. Like, I have super frugal friends who's a big fan of the show. So I'm sure she will tell me about Producer it. Producer Lauren and I are shaking in disbelief. There's no <laughs> way. They're more frugal than me. I'm OK. No, I'm telling you, there's people out there that are more frugal than me. But again, we don't talk about it. Like, it's just like an unspoken thing. I don't ask people how much their mortgage is. I am like we learned in last episode. I'm a Zillow stalker. So I know how much you paid for your house, but I didn't ask them. <laughs> All of I Christina's friends, <laughs> I want you to know she's been stalking what you paid for your house. A hundred percent. She knows your estimate. <laughs> Which we found out is pretty accurate. Yeah. There that you go. was yeah, that was really interesting. So let's bring in our smart friends to help us with this topic. And I get the pleasure of introducing our returning guest. He actually wanted to come back, which I'm super excited about. Rich Barbary, welcome back. Introduce yourself. Hey everyone, so like Christina said, this is my second time being a part of Making It Count. Super excited to be here. Uh, my name is Richard Barbary. I work with Edition Financial in their Community Engagement and Partnerships Department. And one of my main responsibilities is financial education in the community. So I'm super excited to be here talking about navigating finances with your friends, with the lovely group of people that I'm here with today. Aww. Well, we're happy to have you back. Our second guest is Aaron Papworth. Aaron, please tell our listeners what you do. 
Yes. Hi, you two. Thank you so much for having me. And hi, Rich. I'm excited to be on this podcast with you. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Navit. So that's Navigate, N-A-V.it. Um, we're really on a mission to democratize access to financial coaching. Uh, we use automation and behavioral science to help consumers address kind of the underlying causes of financial stress and then build personalized plans to help them change their behavior. We use, I'm really excited about this topic because we use a lot of peer-to-peer education so talking with people like you about finances kind of normalize and demystifies money. So this is a, a topic near and dear to my heart. Well, we are so excited to have you. And before we deep dive into the questions, Erin, do you know about your friends' finances? You know, by virtue of the fact that I happen to be a co-founder of a financial technology, <laughs> I actually do know a lot about it. It elicits a very interesting uh, conversation when you start talking about uh, what you do. And people kind of do, I, I think it, it allows people to be more comfortable to talk about kind of some of their pain points or, you know, what their financial situation looks like. It's kind of like when you have a friend who's a doctor and you're like, yeah, there's a thing yes. on my foot. Take a look at it. Is this yeah. normal? You know, since being having this experience, I have been more careful not asking my doctor friends about my my personal <laughs> ailments. <laughs> Because it's exactly like Christina. Has anybody ever asked you about advice for on the money front? I did. I had someone reach out to me about the thirteenth mortgage payment. Remember, I yeah. That's not a, no, have, no, no, no. I yes. can testify right now. I know that situation, and that wasn't advice. That was literally a process how to. <sighs> That's still advice. No, you no, took my advice. it wasn't like save mm. like this much or do this. It was literally like okay. how do I go onto my online banking and do this? <laughs> what to me? That's advice. He reached out to me for education. What about you, Rich? Do you guys, amongst your friend groups, do you know any, do you guys have those conversations? Uh, I would say it depends on the group of friends. Um, for most people, it's a little taboo to have that conversation, but I think there's some value to it. You'd have to know the type of person and friend that you're sharing that information with and hope that it's a judgment-free zone. Um, it's a space where you can get some tips and feedback because everyone's finances are different, um, whether it's a different salary or how they budget and save money. So there's useful information when you have a friend that cares and wants to have that conversation with you. So I would say I have a few friends that I know I can trust and, and talk about my finances with. And again, it's completely judge-free. It's conversation where we're able to ask questions and hopefully get answers from people you trust. I love that. Like I wouldn't tell Will how much I make. <laughs> I totally don't trust you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, moving on. Um, Aaron, Will is going to take it away, and he's going to ask you the first question. Well, if anybody trusts me around here, I'll <laughs> ask the first question. No, I'm kidding. I will start. So I want to start with a broad question, um, Aaron, that I hope will set the tone for this. So do you think it's a good idea to talk to your friends about money? And if so, why? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, uh, Rich, you actually made a great point. I think it really does depend on um, the relationship you have. So yeah, this is money is a complicated topic, right? Not only is it kind of is it personal, but it, there are a lot of societal triggers around money, whether that be positive or negative, right? Shame, guilt, um, embarrassment. And somehow I think our society has made the error of attaching self-worth to our wealth or, or to some sort of, you know, um, monetary number, which is so the opposite of true. So it really depends. I think that being able to, there's such the power of talking to friends about money is that it demystifies it. And you start to see how other people like you manage your money. I come from a behavioral science background and one of the kind of key 
features or u- verticals that we use to try and help people change behavior is having peer to peer education, they call it. So people from your same walk of life with your same issues talking about the subject and thus being able to really brainstorm and kind of think about differently or see how other people think about the questions you're asking in life. So I think it's a really powerful piece of how we learn just as humans. I mean, if you think about other topics in life, you probably learned a lot over the course of your education from talking to your friends as much as educators. So there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of benefits to it, but I agree that, um, that what Rich said that you have, it's kind of, you have to kind of take it case by case on who you trust because it is a, it's really a trust relationship. The the last data point I'll plug is you are 20 times more likely to save if you discuss money with others. So there are a lot of valuable. Yep. Man, that means I have to start talking to you guys about money. 20 times more likely. That's incredible. That's is it all because we of do a, on this podcast that's is true. talk about money. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, do you think it's because like now it's almost like when you start a diet, when you do it with more people or exercise, you almost like they're holding you accountable. You think that's a similar situation there? Yes, very much. And and you normalize it, right? So when you, you're not just kind of in your own bubble thinking and worrying about your money or, you know, kind of in your own headspace, you're, you're able to talk about, hey, did you, to, to the point of nutrition too, like, you know, I made this amazing, you know, I don't know, pie that I really liked that was organic and it was healthy and it made me feel good. You know, you're starting to share. And in the, in the money case, it's the same thing, right? You're starting to say, I was struggling with this, but I found this solution. What did you do? Right. And it just, you start to kind of problem solve um, with others. And, and that is how we learn in life. Aaron, if you have a healthy pie recipe, send it my way. <laughs> I do. I feel I like have that's a an oxymoron. That's really good. Like a healthy pie. <laughs> Oh, I've heard of them, but All they're organic. not good. They've got like dates Thank and you. chicken pot pie. <laughs> That's the kind of pie I like, Rich. <laughs> it's literally just like dates and almond butter and egg yolk. And like, that's it. Like, they're just oh. like, oh, it's really yummy. It tastes exactly like a chocolate cream pie. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, it doesn't. I promise I'll you. Well, I'll send you my Oregon berry crumble. All right, let's do it. There you go. All right, we're we're gonna hold. Like you have to send that to us. We'll be we'll be very disappointed. (laughs) So, Rich, Aaron explained to us what the importance of it is. But what is there a right way to start those conversations with your friends? I think a lot of them may come organically, where you and your other friend know that you guys are comfortable talking about it. And in most cases, at least for myself. Um, it was a friend who had a question for me personally and got a real answer that was fair and wasn't me diving into too much information. I was, He was comfortable to share some of his financial information, but I didn't ask for more or any more detail about it. Um, and then slowly after that, it kind of grew into something that every once in a while we talk about because his financial hurdles are much different than mine. He may make more money and have a mortgage or have a family and... Um, Let's say for this example, I begin to start a family. That's someone I want to be able to have in my back pocket that I could reach out to and ask those proper questions about. I think Aaron made a really good point that people take what they earn as their worth as a as a person. And I think that a lot of people have plenty of friends that are like that. And it's easy to tell who those people are. And those are the ones you just want to avoid, especially when you're you know you don't make as much or if you don't save as well or if you have the nicer sized car or home you know that you're sharing information that may get shared with other people or you're not going to get an honest response or it'll be a joke, which is just going to hurt you even more financially in the wrong uh, long run and uh, stress you out even more about your finances. So you'll know who the right people are. And sometimes that conversation just comes up organically. 
So me putting it on my Facebook as a Facebook poll, probably not a good idea. I think that would be a really fun idea, actually. I think we're all sitting around hoping that you do so. Stir a little drama up. No, but I think to your point, Rich, like I think that's another moment in life to evaluate who you are putting close to yourself because if that if if they're constantly putting you in a position where you feel like you're having to compare yourself and there's always this competitive nature to the friendship or the relationship, I think it's maybe a moment to like step back and reevaluate. But I don't want to get too deep. So I do want to pivot though to the exact scenario I thought of when we were talking about this topic as the moment at the end of the dinner where everybody decides how we're going to pay. And I personally love being the person who's like, no, 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 I'll just put it on my card and everybody Venmo me. Mm. You're such a points like I like to get my points and I like to beat people to it because everybody else is getting in on that now too. But there's also the like splitting the bill and there's the person who's like, no, I didn't have the extra glass of wine and you had two extra glass, you know, not saying that's right or wrong, but people get very picky. So Aaron, what's the best way to navigate those awkward situations at the end of the dinner when you're splitting and trying to figure out that? Yes. I mean, we have all been there. It's an, it's, it can be incredibly painful and awkward. And afterwards you can kind of be left with what what just happened Um, after a lovely night too. So it's a great question. I think, you know, it goes back to kind of a couple points. I think that as you start to approach an environment, like where you're in a dinner with, with friends, it's always good to put yourself in someone else's shoes, right? So you're coming from, you know, you might be in a comfortable position, but you can see or you you kind of know in the back of your head that maybe some of your friends aren't. I think being able to anticipate that at the before you go into a setting like that kind of helps you prepare for how you want to how you want that to kind of come to an end. Either you can talk about beforehand. The, again, it's it's awkward and it depends case by case on what that person's openness is to the conversation. But you can, but there's a there's an opportunity to talk about it beforehand, right? Say, hey, I'm going to take the bill this time. You know, let's talk. We can think about getting you, you getting it next time. Or, I mean, the the kind of classic, you're always going to pay exactly what you should pay is splitting the bill at the end, uh, which can be awkward and not all places do it, but that's an option. But I think, I think the key is, you know, if you're, if you're coming into a situation, like I said, where you either, or, or you're in the situation where you don't want to pay as much, you know, you're in a situation where it's not, it's not as comfortable for you as the people in your group, being able to predict that and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'd like to split the bill at the beginning or at the, or, you know, being able to do that at the end, I think dialogue and conversation and open transparency, I think goes back to that kind of bigger question that we, that Rich may also pointed out that like money's just, it's a social construct that makes people feel bad or has some attachment to your worth, but it's just money. It's just like money is a form of exchange, right? You get paid for time. You want an apple, you pay for an apple. Like it's a form of exchange. So it's really, we put all of this weight and worth to it that I think is it's time in society for us to kind of break that up and think about we're all on different paths. We all have our journeys. We have our personal purpose in life. We have our passions. We have the things we want to spend money on, the things we place value on, the work we do. And I mean, by talking about it to the earlier point and by kind of breaking up the attachment to it, you just start to say like, Hey, yo, I don't have the money to pay for this. Like, or I am going to split the bill because I'm only getting a salad and y'all drink too much, you know, like whatever, <laughs> whatever have you had it dinner is. With I think, Will? 
That's yeah. Well, he familiar. said two glasses of wine, and I do understand that coming from my perspective. <laughs> I, I definitely have the two glasses before. Um, so yeah, they come in pairs, right? <laughs> Openness. <laughs> Well, Rich, what happens, like, how do you navigate when you have that one person that just refuses to pay their fair share? How do you have that conversation? I've definitely had it one too many times. And like Aaron said, um, it comes up in most situations for most people when they go out to dinner. I've learned to have the conversation before we go out to dinner and discuss with the folks that are going, hey, what do we want to do as far as like footing the bill or especially if I'm going out and I don't plan to be drinking at dinner. And other folks are going there for that. They say, hey, you know, we can we can come out and have a good time or I'll, I'll go out and get dinner. But listen, I'm not splitting the bill evenly between everyone and or paying for the bill um, or footing the bill myself. Having that conversation uh, is worth it for me, at least in the beginning, because as the night progresses, you're out to dinner in this example and the check comes. You could be um, drowned out by three or four people that say, hey, let's just all split the bill evenly when you just had a $10 meal when other people were spending a, a, a good amount of money on uh, different food or drinks. So I think having the conversation at the beginning, because everyone gets intimidated, doesn't want to be the one person that says, uh, well, I think we should split it up, what's fair and what people ordered, and then be looked down on. And that's never a good feeling. You know what I hate? Oh, tell us. Because it, this is this is a very, like, there's so many scenarios that this has come up in my life because it also depends on, like, where where you are geographically. If you live in a bigger city, the restaurant is not splitting up your bill. You get one bill, figure it out. No, no one's asking questions. But the other thing is when a friend just says, no, no, I've got this round. You get the next one. Oh, yeah. And we all know that people have a variety of things that cost different amounts of money when they're out in the evening. So it's, that's a very, no, yeah. I'm not buying the same thing that you're buying, or maybe I'm buying something better and I don't want to feel bad about it. Yeah. How many times um, do you sit down when you're having dinner and wonder in your head, how is this going to play out once the check comes in the end? Yep. Or Christine and I all the time, she's always ordering the most. No. <laughs> I'm the like salad with water girl. Like I totally am like, but I love how you guys are saying like all transparency, like from the beginning hey waiter waitress we're splitting this or like it it just needs to be and i think everybody will relax and feel more comfortable if that expectation is set from the beginning because i do not want to be paying for your two glasses of wine when i had a water with lemon let me just throw that out there maybe i am stingy (gasps) she's having a no kidding (laughs) (laughs) so yeah but i think like talking about a restaurant bill is one thing or splitting it. But Aaron, how do people break the ice with their friends and get the ball rolling for a bigger conversation about money with each other? Yeah. And I think, I think we're all speaking to this point of transparency. I, one of the the things we see is that asking for advice about a specific topic, not making it too specific is always a good place to start where you kind of have, you know, you could talk about, Hey, how did you go through the process of buying your house? Or, Hey, do you have student loans? I'm like dealing with student loans and it's really a pain, you know, or I'm trying to figure out how to consolidate or starting with a question that is more leading into, um, just a, a normal conversation about advice and, and an advisory kind of approach often kind of breaks the ice. And you're really talking. The thing about money is that you can get incredibly specific. Like I spent $45 on, groceries yesterday, you know, or, uh, but that's not really as necessary. You could, but, and you, and there is is always a conversation around, 
hey, how are you saving on something X, Y, and Z? But really those broader questions of everyone's managing, everyone is navigating the financial system, right? We are, by virtue of the fact we are adults, we are managing money. So there are broader topics you can start with to try and break the ice, to try and think about, okay, you know, what is the pain point that I have? What's interesting right now in the kind of world of we're in social media, you know, we have an app and so people download it, but a lot of the content marketing we do comes through social media. And there's this whole new world of finfluencers, they call them. Have you guys heard of this? No. Fin- uh, yes. I have like heard thing, of this. Yeah. Yeah. So financial influencers, right? So people that are online, you know, talking about, and what I, what is interesting to me about that is that it tends, they they tend to have their specialty, like finance is so broad uh, that these influencers have like one thing that they talk about. Like if it's paying off a hundred thousand dollars of debt before 29 or, you know, uh, flipping my house or 401ks or, you know, it's such a broad, great, crazy world of finance that, that you can really start with any topic that feels precedent, like pressing to you. Um, and then kind of dig into that topic. And then you're kind of saved from the personal side and the exposure that might be embarrassing of the details. Uh, but you start a dialogue and, and you learn from others. I think it's really interesting that social media has that like little branch off sort of niche topic because I was just about to say, like thinking through the Instagram outage the other day that there has been so much conversation around how social media impacts our self-worth and the way we feel about ourselves, but also just the way it impacts like the economy, like the, the number of businesses that are tied to Instagram commerce and things like that. But going back to the main point, like it really does like influencers traditionally have like caused a lot of harm to the way we feel about ourselves. Like it's <laughs> crazy, but like when you think about it, it, you're always trying to keep up with the Joneses. Like that's the normal way to live. Oh, that's how I'm, yeah. so, that's what my house is supposed to look like. That's the car I'm supposed to drive. And it's not really ever what it seems. A lot of those people are like flat broke actually. Yeah. An article, or I just saw something on Instagram or something where these mega influencers who are always showing off like their big house and their all their fancy cars it came out that they're like bankrupt and their cars are getting taken away but if you look at their social media they're mega rich and like oh so we really have to be as people have to be very very picky there's some pages and things i've stopped like even interacting with because it started making me doubt myself so i just started like getting rid of that's that how christina's life. page makes me feel she's always posting in her <laughs> giant luxury car and her giant what? luxury her- <laughs> i was gonna say i'm like about my kids and disney i don't that's well i mean i guess in some places that's a big luxury like we're yeah. assholders so that's like a big deal i guess oh but i, I think that i think the key point there is that there's because there's a lack of financial confidence in our country and a lack of literacy i mean we have such low education on finances, which is, I think is a systemic problem. There's this, this gate gap in the market for people, for influencers to come in and have a place. And I think, I hope that we can invert that conversation and get a population, especially the generation coming up, the Gen Z's and the like zillennials, right? The, the late millennials who are more confident about money so that influencers or influencers can't impact them in the same way. That, that's my hope. I hope there's a future where that is true. <laughs> I feel like the next generation coming up is also more transparent. Like they're okay with talking about things that like when I'm 
even now I'm still uncomfortable talking about. I mean, my I'm thinking about it now. Like I think there's certain areas of, t- of finances that maybe I am more open about. Like I think all my friends are very open about like, we all have student debt. We don't like call out the number per se, but yeah. I think we're very open of like, we all have student debt. You know, I think even credit card debt is becoming more of a thing of like, people are very like, we've all been there or we are there or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So I think like, there's certain aspects that are yeah. like a little less taboo. Yeah, I agree. Rich, this is a topic that I luckily have not had to worry about for a very long time, but roommates, how do you even start navigating the conversations with roommates and how do you hand, what's the best way to handle that? I think it's a lot like when it comes to uh, figuring out how you're paying for the check when it comes to purchasing dinner. Before you move in and sign the dotted line on leasing or renting a location with a new roommate, that conversation in the beginning needs to be had, um, that it's going to be split evenly. One of the things, um, once you figure out uh, amount a month that's going to cost in rent that you both can afford, and you want to make sure that price is something you both know you can comfortably afford, because if it's close to someone's budget, that's a realistic chance that that person may miss a month of rent when it then comes down to that second person in the group. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be in that situation because that can get very awkward. The next thing is once you've established that is creating some type of in-house budget for the two of you where you take that one day and go over, here's the utilities, obviously the rent cost, all the other bills that come along with it because most of those things are in one person's name. So you want to have the discussion, split it up, have that budget in place and then figure out who's paying for what and how. So are we are we setting up an account where we're both going to transfer money into it when the due dates are, when are these due dates? Both set up reminders, take a day early on when you start moving in together to iron all of that out so there is no sticky situations or uncomfortable conversations between the two of you. That's really not something difficult to do, it's just most people don't do it, especially mm-hmm. with friends when they move in together. And I mean, I, I, it's not uncommon that there's some rifts in friendships because of moving in together due to finances and paying bills and who's missing bill dates. Cause you, it's, you'll have that one friend that's on top of all of it and the other that's uh, kind of free with it and not on top of their finances and it could lead to a tough situation. I'm sure lots of friendships have been ruined because if I'm the one taking responsibility and Will doesn't pay his half, it's my credit that's being hit. Mm-hmm. Like Will's name isn't on anything. So it's a big gamble when you have a roommate and if you don't, if you don't put that structure out there or you don't trust this person, it could be very, very uncomfortable. There's also like working out like in the few living situations I've had with a roommate, there's like, is the space even? Do you have the same amount of personal space that I'm getting? Like, Mm -hmm. are you taking the bigger room with the bathroom? Are you doing this? Like I had one that I was getting the larger space with an ensuite bathroom. Like I was getting more and so I paid more mm-hmm. because I I definitely did not want there to be a question down the line. You know, when you're first signing the lease, everyone's fine with everything. Like that day, everyone's excited just to do something. But like in a few months, people are going to be like, well, my room is small and you have a lot of space and you have a lot of privacy. And like you want to set yourself up for success to not have to worry about those conversations ever coming yeah, up. Definitely. So I want to get into another sticky topic that relates to friendships and money. Aaron. Should you ever loan money to a friend? Mm. Yes, this is I. This is. What if you just end, it ended in just yes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and is that is that possible? Not a but, yes, but yes, yes, and 
You know, borrowing money from friends and family is definitely tricky. I think uh, it doesn't mean that it always has to be bad. Um, I think it really is a case-by-case situation and really your comfort with, you know, loaning money in general. The the key thing to loans is defining kind of the ground rules and the terms, to use a financial phrase, from the beginning. So I think being, again, transparency, being very clear and writing down what the agreement is, if you are going to do it, is probably really uh, is, is essential, I think, to not only ensuring you get your money back, but also, you know, maintaining the relationship and ensuring that the it doesn't sour a relationship over time. Because um, I think people, I th- there's, there's a tendency, I think, in our world to, to be casual about finances with friends, because obviously it's a touchy subject or people have different kind of levels of interest or kind of perspective on money. But if you're doing loans and you expect to be paid back, that that's the difference, right? If it's, if you're just letting someone take, you know, if you're giving someone some money and they say pay you back and you're kind of like, oh, no big deal, that's a different conversation. But if you really want that money back and you want, and a loan is assuming that you want to return on it, right? So you're loaning them with either the desire to be paid back or to get a little bit back in return, like it is an investment um, with a little bit of interest, then you really have to make sure you set the terms and stick with the agreement and be willing to part with it. Be willing, I think, to take the risk on the relationship that you that might sour the relationship and also take the risk that you might not see that money again, because trying to litigate a personal loan that you made to a friend does not sound like anything, or I mean, maybe you would want to, but um, that's a complicated road to go down to, and no one wants that kind of discomfort in your life. So I think just being really clear at the beginning, making sure you feel comfortable, you um, are comfortable with them and you kind of, and you can all stick to the agreement from the beginning is, is probably key. It's really dicey though. Christine, I don't know what you were ever told growing up, but like my, I remember my parents like telling me if you ever loan money to a friend, it's not a loan. You can't expect it back. Yes. That must be like some spoken, like I think our parents' generation were just like, hey, we all have to say this thing to our kids at some point. I heard that too. I don't know about you, Rich, but like my parents were always like, if you're giving your friends money, it better be money that you are okay to never get back again. Yeah, I've never paid back any of my friends or family members. So I don't even know why agree. we ask you back, Rich. You still owe me fifty bucks. <laughs> I mean, Christina clearly believes in loaning money to family because she loaned fifteen dollars to her daughter and is now charging interest <laughs> hey, on it. By the way, congratulations to my daughter. She paid off the Great sweatshirt. Great job. She did. You didn't have to like send her <laughs> to collections or anything. Yeah, without interest free, and she paid it back. Good for her. That yes, and now that hoodie her. is all hers. Free and clear. Free and clear. I don't ever have to. Well, I have to wash it. But other than that, yes, it's free and clear. It's all hers. Well, now you should charge a maintenance fee. <laughs> mm. Ooh, that's a good idea. It's all life lessons, if you ask me. Rich, this is something that any of our listeners know I am extremely passionate about. It is retirement and savings. That is my passion. If, if I was a Finfluencer, which I am not, it would be all about retiring and retiring as soon as starting to save for retirement as soon as possible. So how do you start talking about those things with your friends? Well, I think it depends on your age makes a makes a big difference. What are like, you trying to say, Rich? Oh, if I was in my <laughs> early 20s and I started my career and 401k is presented to me or another type of retirement package, I'm going to have a lot of questions on the matter. 
And if I have friends that maybe are a little bit older and been through that process, I'd be more comfortable to have a conversation about something like that when it comes to retirement, because it's not necessarily diving into my finances. It's a conversation I could almost have with most of my friends on, do you have any best practices for me? Because I'm starting out in my new job or career and I want to figure out a a good path forward, especially with retirement, because that can get tricky. If you have any friends that work in an industry where they're when it comes to investing or anywhere else where they have serious knowledge, not just tips and what they've done, that's extremely useful when it comes to planning ahead for retirement. You know, and then as you get older and you have more of an idea, some people have or friends will have tips or other thoughts on what you should start doing outside of just like a 401k. There's other, you know, mutual funds, index funds, those types of things where you could start saving even more towards your retirement. And then we start talking about mortgages and then it kind of grows from there. But when you start out, you definitely want to ask a friend, family member, someone who works in the field where they can give you some serious help and guidance. And then when it comes to saving money, a lot of people get excited about budgeting now because it's so simple to do. Something like the Mint app, Mm-hmm. or some of these other online budgeting tools that makes it fun and easier, especially if you've never budgeted before or if you've failed in the past at creating a budget. I have conversations not only when I do a financial education, but with friends all the time when they talk about their Mint app or a change that they've done on their budgeting that's made it budgeting money easier for them. So saving money is a, is a topic you could ask most friends, but it's one that kind of make fun, uh, add tips and tricks and, and learn a little bit more. And it's so easy to budget and save money now. Um, everyone really should be doing it. Okay. So speaking of growing money, Aaron, what's a good way to ask for or share investment advice kind of on that same line of talking about retirement? I th- it's a great question. You're talking about with friends specifically, right? Not yes. Not a financial advisor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, I. it sounds like Christina is an expert at talking about re- retirement. So it's, <laughs> oh, it's <thank> always, <laughs> she might have a better answer. Um, but I think it's always good to ask uh, ask specific questions. You know, like I said, take take the one topic. You can always, you start with a 401k or start, I mean, a Roth IRA or even like, hey, when do you want to retire, <laughs> right? Like, when are you estimating? Um, and it depends also, like, like you both have said that um, on your age, right? At 20 years old, retirement seems so far away that it's even, it's so hard to even conceptualize. But at closer to my age, it's like, okay, when am I planning for this? So I think it's, yeah, having, being able to kind of take one subject and start it and just get people's perspective, then you kind of drill down into what are actually some investment conversations. And you also want to, you want to take it with a grain of salt. The thing about talking to friends about finances is that while I think it really is essential and does make you, you know, 20 times more likely to save, they also potentially aren't giving you good advice, right? Or they might not know exactly what to do, or they might know less than you. So taking these conversations as um, like discovery, if you're in a company, right? Like this is research and discovery phase. An- anecdotal at best. Don't don't take your friend's advice as yes. like the gospel truth always. Right. I mean, that's what you see. I, you, you all are in, in finance and we just saw this crazy, the Robin Hood meltdown and the meme stocks in early 2021, right? Yep. That was peer to peer educate, like talking about this one stock that made the, like, wasn't probably in the best interest of their financial future and made our market go crazy. So that's how the yeah, MLMs I, get it's started. Important to, oh, yeah. I think it's important to use 
peers as a sounding board and to get advice, but not to um, necessarily take action on it until you've done your own research and you can talk to people that actually are trained in this. There's this huge opportunity now with with financial advice and financial coaching and, and advisors that exist in the world that are becoming more and more affordable that I think yeah, making making sure you're getting, you're talking about it, you're having the conversation, you're demystifying it for yourself, but then taking action when you've done your own research is key, I think, into long-term investing strategies. Yeah, definitely. Like, don't just take exactly what your friend said and, and like start buying some craziness and bet all of your 401k on it. Probably not the best idea, but you know. Right. right. Because, you know, the thing this, the thing that's so funny about finances is it's so unique. Just like you were saying about nutrition, like my body, I no one can replicate my body. No one can replicate my financial system. We're all navigating nutrition. We're all navigating, you know, body health. We're all navigating financial health. So the system we play in is the same, but our unique experience is truly only ours. So taking ownership of that and being and being empowered to say, okay, I'm going to listen to all how you all think about this or do it. And then I'm going to take all that and, and digest it for myself, I think is really a great philosophy. I've got a fun question before we move on to the making account essentials. So you guys have to tell me what kind of, um, I'll say show off, but that's not what I mean. Like, are you the type of person to be like, oh my gosh, I spent like so much money on this cool shirt or are you the kind of person that's like oh my gosh I got this shirt on clearance and I'm so proud (laughs) that I got this shirt like 50% off like will I I kind of like should I start with you like obviously you know what kind of person I am I'm totally the saver show off like I love saving money I don't think, okay, so I think I'm a little bit of both because I don't like paying full. <laughs> Rich says no. He is shaking his head. We're in the same boat, brother. <laughs> We're both going to answer this the same way. <laughs> We're in the same boat here. Okay, but I, I'm not like sitting around like proud of how much I've spent on something necessarily. Like, we used to have Brooks Brother polo shirt days, the two of us. Oh, oh my gosh. Yep. I wish Wore the same I polo shirt that. color every day. And COVID came and ruined the fun. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely. I, I'm not a fan of the clearance rack, I'll be honest. I'm just not a fan. It, okay. it rarely yields something that I'm happy about. That that seems right. Okay, so what about you, Rich? I think it depends on the audience I'm with. It is always fun if you have a group of friends that love to brag about the cost of a shirt, and then you just throw out a price on a shirt that you've spent and see how much they try to, you know, one this big you. wave of everyone trying to one-up each other all of a sudden. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm more like a Will in that sense. You know, I, I do like to spend responsibly mm. sometimes on a, a shirt. Um, will I bring up the price? It, again, it really depends on the audience. If I tell my father how much I spend on a shirt, um, <laughs> he'll call me foolish. But then I have a group of friends. But that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think I'll bring up the cost. Yeah. I think I'll just be like, do you like this new shirt? Like, I'll, I'll talk about the shirt, but I won't be like, I paid this much for it. Like, mm. well, of course, you need the logo on the front of it. We're not buying... <laughs> That says it all, too. If you have I don't know, you know, our, lo- our logos, go you guys now. are bougie. I no, think. I'm joking about that. Okay, uh, Aaron, what about you? Are you a, a spender or a saver? I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, so can I say neither at this point? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I would say I'm a saver. Yeah, I, I definitely, I really enjoy trying to be seeing that bank account grow and figuring out ways to 
to reduce spending, one of the things that uh, one of the things that the Navit app does is it helps you get really intimate with your expenses on a daily basis. So we we developed this. Well, I know you're going to love this. We developed a Bumble swipe for your transactions. So you you know you see you come in and you can see every day what you spend the last 48 hours, and you can swipe left or right, like like dislike and neutral. And what it does is it a creates this real intimacy for yourself on what you spend on. So it, tells you thus where you can save and also kind of builds a picture for you of what expenses serve you and what you think is really, you know, uh, meaningful and important in your life to spend on. And then what other things kind of you could do away with, and that helps you kind of re you know, mental accounting is, is a real thing in uh, managing money. So yeah, I like saving and I like understanding my spending so that I can save. I have a feeling the app would tell Will that he spends a lot on skincare and okay. Lululemon. Maybe? No, I, no? I, I only oh. spend a lot at Lululemon one, well, one time I spent a lot there because I was getting like work clothes because shockingly enough, I'm going to plug this for men. <laughs> Lululemon has the best work clothes. If you need khakis, they've got these amazing khakis. He's got a tailor now too. I know. I don't have a yep. tailor. They just tailored one Perfectly shirt. Perfectly hemmed pants and shirt. <laughs> they look so good on him though. Um, they do look great. Yeah. I that's know. why I, now I'm going out and spending more money just to keep up with Will. Keep up with Will. Yeah. yeah. I'm the influencer. You're keeping it up. Yeah. <laughs> No, I actually, I think my spending categories, the biggest one is always entertainment. It's because okay. because we live in Orlando it, yeah. and there's just a lot to do and people are always going out and doing things. And I mean, you just like the parks aren't agree. cheap. It's not even the cost of getting into the park. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think my mine would be entertainment, but I'm definitely on the Target app, scanning every single item because I want as much many things as I can on sale. I do look for like grocery coupons. I have like grocery coupon apps. You do not. I do. I have um, Ibotta and I use the Publix coupons. I do. Oh, I love the Publix app. Uh, Lifetime savings on Ibotta is like 150 bucks, no lie. Thursday morning, I wait for the BOGOs to go live on the app and then I just start adding it to my list. You and my husband with the BOGOs. My husband is a sucker for the Publix BOGOs. I don't believe it. I don't like the BOGOs. I want it to be a twofer. Like, because I like the ones you can split because I don't need both things. I just Um, need one. Who doesn't need two cans of mayo? Or pasta sauce. You always need pasta sauce. I think that's BOGO this week, Rich. Pasta sauce. Yeah, go check the app. See, I just lied. It's Friday. I still haven't checked it yet. All right. Let's get into our rapid fire round, which we call our making it count essentials. Christina, why don't you start us out? I would love to. Rich, you get the first question. What is the best way to handle financial aspect of gift giving with friends? Well, that's a very good question. Um, I think that you definitely need to set a price when it comes to that uh, because... You can find yourself um, in debt, a pretty expensive gift if you receive a really nice Christmas or birthday gift from a friend. And sometimes it's sporadic. So if someone does get you a gift after like two years of not giving a gift, you're, you feel required to get them one. Um, and if that starts, I think we'd, it was a simple, let's set a price on birthday gifts and do it every year. $20 every year we do it. And then you have that price lined up and you're not worrying about someone spending a lot, making you feel like you then have to in turn spend a lot of money. All right, Aaron, my question is for you. Should you share your salary with your friends? I don't have a rapid fire answer. Yes and no. Um, Only if you feel comfortable and if you think it's going to benefit you or them. I think, you know, we're in an age now where transparency and um, equal pay has been a big conversation in society and trying to create transparency around salaries so that we can have people 
compensated for their work at a rate that is appropriate for um, who they are and, and the industry they're in. So I, I think it's a yes, if you feel comfortable and no, if it's because it's really no one's business. <laughs> and if you think yes, if it will benefit you and no, if it won't benefit you. All right, Rich, you get the last question. It's a fun one. You can thank producer Lauren for that. What money lesson have you learned from a friend? Oh, points and rewards on credit cards. Oh, I had a, a friend who was hooked on that and I never really got into it or f- paid any attention to it. And then the, you know, it's funny when someone teaches you about credit score or points and rewards when it comes to credit cards, pe- a lot of people get pretty motivated to start doing it themselves. And it helped with my credit score. And, um, you know, I get some cool perks, gifts and rewards with it. So that I would say without a doubt, that's, that's my, uh, that's my first thing. Number one. Thank you both so much. That was fantastic. Now it's time for our guests to tell our listeners how you can get in touch with them. So Rich, you go first. The best way to get in touch with me is email. So it's my first name, rich.barbary, B-A-R-B-A-R-I at editionfi.com. Or you could always call Edition Financial and ask for Rich, the very charming man on the podcast. And they'll know exactly who you're (laughs) looking for and get you in contact with me right away. Thank you, Rich. All right, Aaron, can you tell our listeners what you're up to and where they can find you? Yes, thank you. So equally, um, we have a social media handle. So it's let's, L-E-T-S, Navit, N-A-V-I-T. Um, that's across all of the socials. And then, of course, you can find me at Aaron Papworth, and that's P-A-P-W-O-R-T-H um, on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And um, the final one is the the company itself. Our website is navitmoney.com. Great. Thank you guys both so much for joining us again. Aaron, I hope to have you back. Rich, always a pleasure having you. You guys were so much fun. So thanks yes, for joining thank us. You. Yes. Thank you for having us. This is great, guys. Thank you. All right. Now it's our favorite segment called What, what Did We, we Learn today? today? All right. I will go first if you don't mind. I don't. So for me, I think... It was, it sounds very basic, but I think it's just the idea of transparency, but when it matters. So not just like, it's not a conversation I think that you just throw out there. Like you don't walk Mm -hmm. into a friend's, you're not just walking through life with your friend and you're just like, oh, this is how much money money I make make. and this is what I do. Like you do need to be careful and mindful about like, is this something that's beneficial for them or for me? Are they coming to me for advice and being very careful about those moments and not it's not a time to be making light of a situation because maybe they really do need help and maybe you need to point them in a different direction because maybe you're not the right person, but yeah, just being sensitive. Yeah, I think Rich did a good job making a point of that, that it's really, you got to gauge your audience and your trust level with them because they could always take that information and use it for bad. One thing I thought was really interesting is when Aaron shared that we are 20 times more likely to save when you tell somebody else about your goals. I thought that was so interesting, but it makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, I think um, like even since we've started this podcast, I think I've had better luck with my savings habits. I agree. Me too. All right. We always like to leave our listeners with a resource that might be helpful in relation to the episode topic. And today we have a great one. And they're always really long titles, but we love that. So this one is just as Do you want to say it together? Good. Do you want to say it together? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. ready? It's the Millennial, millennial playbook, playbook to Paying Off Debt, debt and, and Saving for, for the, the future. future. Wow. wow. I'm pretty impressed. That 
has got tons of tips about how to pay off your student loans, how to buy your house, like saving for buying a house and starting your family and so much more. Yeah, I think it's a good resource that can help a lot of people of different ages, not just millennials. As always, producer Lauren has put the link in our show notes. All right, guys, thanks again for listening. And we'll see you next time on Making It Count. And that's a wrap on this episode of Making It Count. If you learned something new, were inspired to reach your financial goals, or just found us entertaining, please subscribe, share, or rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. And don't worry, we'll be back soon with another new episode of Making Making It It Count. Count.